welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. This is episode 42. I am Zach Falcon of Barfield, and alongside me is the kingly and chef-tastic Mr. James Marwood. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm getting ready to start planning my Christmas cooking. That is today's subject. It's all about the Christmas dinner and the Christmas food. I've been looking forward to this episode because Christmas dinner's been on my mind a lot. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, my family, we always look forward to Christmas because we actually have time to try and do interesting new things. So we sort of gather our recipes from the past few years or months that we haven't done throughout the year and then in the week or two weeks of Christmas period we go bonkers and start experimenting. What are your hints then or what's your advice for someone cooking Christmas dinner? Well actually Christmas dinner is actually relatively easy. I know that mm-hmm. sounds everyone's suddenly going ah down the line but but yeah. Christmas is a roast and roasts are all about timing. That's basically yes. what it is. So it's all about getting the timing right. If you can get that right then you're laughing, basically. Yes. If you can work out your timings correctly, that for me is the simplest thing. And then do a bit of prep work in advance. If you're making sausage stuffing, make it in advance. If you're making normal stuffing, make it in advance. Shove it in the fridge or the freezer and then pull it out the day before and thaw. Prep your vegetables the night before. On the day, you're not panicking like a demented thing trying to get 10 kilos of vegetables sorted in 20 minutes. One of the things I always try and do is probably about four or five days before Christmas, I spend a couple of hours sorting my kitchen. So I'll go through the fridge and the freezer to get rid of all the junk in there that I know I'm not going to want. I'll make sure I've got all my non-perishable stuff ready to go. So make sure I've got things like salt, pepper, dried herbs, I'm using those, that my knives are sharp. I've got tinfoil, cling film, all of that stuff because they're the sorts of things that will just cause you all sorts of problems. I also tend to make sure, because I've got a lot of serving dishes that I pretty much only use at Christmas. So I get those out, make sure they've not got bashed up in the cupboard, and then give them a wash, ready for the day. Do that four or five days before, and it, it also helps me think, well, right, this is what I'm going to need, because I've already kind of decided the menu early on. So this year I'm doing a turducken. Is that what you call it? The duck inside a turkey? Yes, I believe that's correct. First time for me. Um, So I know what I need. I've got it all ordered. It's going to arrive on the 23rd. And I'm cheating this year because I'm getting everything delivered. I'll know what I'm missing, what I need to go and buy, and what's going to be essential. I think it's a very good thing. Again, we come back to the perfect gentleman motto of preparation. Yes, indeed. What, What are you cooking this year, Zach? What are you doing for yours? My brother and his wife are both working christmas day we're having christmas day effectively christmas lunch on boxy day so christmas day we're going to do a little bit of different stuff we're going to do with scallops mm-hmm. vela scallops and uh, probably some uh, daffinoise potatoes very nice i have a, a thing for daffinoise potatoes mm. basically cream potatoes and cheese can't get much better than that no that's at least three of your major food groups right there <laughs> exactly <laughs> I'm quite a traditionalist for Christmas lunch. We always do a turkey. We'll always do roast potatoes, sausage stuffing. We'll do the proper traditional stuff, even down to Brussels sprouts. I love Brussels sprouts. I have Brussels sprouts at least once or twice a week whenever they're in season. You can have my portion. Um, (laughs) My Brussels sprouts torture happened when I was a young man and my grandmother was not a particularly good cook. I mean, I actually don't mind them now, but I have a particular way of cooking them. uh, And that's the only way I can consume them. How do you do that? Basically chop them up, fry them with bacon. That's a good way. I mean, I quite like them steamed, although a favourite 
thing, which we do quite a bit, is quarter them, toss them in oil and uh, salt and pepper, and then cook them in the oven Okay, about 15 minutes, and they become quite crispy. I'll either eat them like that, or sometimes I'll let them cool a bit, toss them in a little bit more salt, and put them in a bowl and eat them watching TV, like crisps or chips. There's nothing worse than sprouts which have been boiled to mush. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm not very... But yeah, we're very traditional about turkey, and, and mm-hmm. because usually this year we're quite... A small contingent. We have a small, relative, well, I say smaller turkey. It's not that yeah. small in my household. <laughs> my tips for Christmas dinner is: first of all, make sure you've got the turkey fits in the oven, and make sure if you're getting a frozen one, give it plenty of time to defrost. A good size frozen turkey will take two days to defrost, and you should take it out at least half an hour from the fridge before you put it in the oven. It needs to rest. And the other trick is the back end of it. Once you've cooked it, you can Google cook turkey cooking times you can search for those that's relatively easy but the trick i have found is rest the turkey yes take it out of the oven and rest it you can rest a turkey for an hour and a half two hours for certainly for the bigger turkeys and that gives you plenty of time to shove the rest of the vegetables in the oven and not worry about having to go oh my god i haven't got space for the parsnips and the sweet potatoes absolutely and when we say rest it cover it in cling film cover it in some tea towels to maintain the heat in and actually what you'll find is if you let it rest well it'll be so moist it'll be so good i know when i've cooked turkey and made mistakes in the past it's been either cooking it too high and too long and not letting it rest and then you end up with this dry chewy tasteless turkey that you need to kind of slather in gravy to make it palatable but if you do it properly like you're suggesting zach it's delicious i'm just remembered some advice that i was given last year which i haven't done which i will try which is to use some of the offcuts from the turkey as a rack to cook it on the neck the wings bits like that apparently that's a raymond blank thing if you use that, you end up with the bottom crisping up a little bit more than it would do otherwise. If you have a thermometer, you can test the internal temperature. If you've got a sort of shop-brought turkey, then it's about 70 degrees centigrade. If it's a sort of really good quality turkey, then it's about 65 degrees centigrade, the internal temperature. But basically, if you want to test it, the really thing is a knife, sharp knife into the thigh. If the juices run clear, your turkey should be good. Take it out, rest it. And then I like doing a couple of interesting things. So we tend to do things like uh, do a sweet potato mash. We do sort of honey roasted parsnips. So uh, drench them with honey and olive oil. That's always good. So that's kind of our traditional turkey Christmas lunch. Are you a traditionalist for the puddings? I mean, I'm not a huge pudding fan. If it was a choice for me between an extra plate full of pigs in blankets and a pudding, I'd go for the pigs in blankets every time. (laughs) Having said that, I love Christmas pudding. I very rarely make it. I think I've made it twice, mostly because my gran made such magnificent Christmas puddings. I've never been able to measure up, and so I tend to buy them in. And I think you can't go wrong with Christmas pudding with a bit of brandy, sat on fire, and then a scoop of vanilla ice cream. It's weird. In my household, I'm one of only two who like Christmas pudding. Oh, okay. So I tend to have the Christmas pudding all to myself, pretty much. And then what happens is you have leftover Christmas pudding. Mm, Yes. This is not so good. Mm. Until I discovered what you could do with leftover Christmas pudding. Okay. What you can do with leftover Christmas pudding is let it go until the next day, melt some chocolate, and mix the leftover Christmas pudding with the melted chocolate. Roll them into little balls, put them in the fridge, let them set, take them out, dust them with icing sugar, and you have little mini Christmas puddings that are chocolatey Christmas pudding goodness. 
oh, that's a very good idea. Yes, but it's really simple. Now, there is something, you wouldn't like this because it's an alcoholic dish, but something that I had last year that was given as a gift, and I'm going to try and make this year, is Christmas pudding vodka. Oh, okay. Now, this is, I believe, a hairy biker's recipe. Okay. So if it is, it'll be on the BBC website. But basically, it's your mixed fruit, sultanas, currants, etc., caster sugar, cinnamon, mixed spice, cloves, grated nutmeg, orange zest, lemon zest. Put all your ingredients into a bowl, mix it all together, pour over a pint of good vodka, put it in the fridge and leave it for a few days, giving it a stir every once in a while. Sieve it out through some muslin and you have this delicious Christmas pudding flavoured vodka. I'm assuming that you throw the rest into a cake. Well, you probably could actually. That, yes, I mean, if it's been if it's been soaked for for three days in vodka, it'd make a very good cake. I've been experimenting this past year with sort of flavored alcohols and things. And one of my successes was I I have three big apple trees in my garden, and I always end up with a surfeit of apples. I took some of those apples and some raspberries from the bush on the little dog walk field. I did that last year and mixed them in with gin. So put them in some big tubs with a bottle of gin, some chopped up apple and raspberries and left them there at the back of the cupboard for the best part of a year and that's made a really good winter warming drink one of my good friends was the first people to make more flavor vodkas we used to mix vodka with all sorts of interesting stuff so i remember then they did things the first ever mars bar vodkas and all these kind of weird different types of vodkas but yeah i think that's a really good idea and start thinking about for that for next year bunch of blackberries maybe some cranberries and all that sort of stuff bottle of gin or bottle of vodka and put it in the back of the shelf till the next year and then take it out for the year after and you got a nice little tipple do you do any different recipes at Christmas time? Are you kind of experiment this time? Because I know, like me, you're a keen cook and a keen experimenter. Well, I'm doing this turducken for the first time. And also, I'm going to try and do some little Brazilian-styled things because we're going to have a lot of Brazilians there for it. So I'll have the, the traditional turkey and the pigs in blankets and things like that. But I'm going to cook black beans, but I'll be cooking those in the pressure cooker with garlic and salt and a little bit of lemon. I'm going to crumble some Wensleydale cheese over the top to serve it and just let that melt a little bit. I made it mix a little bit of diced bacon or chorizo in with it. But as much as it pains me to say this, there may be a possibility that I have too much pig-related products on my Christmas dinner table if I do that. So I might not do it. I still haven't decided. That's almost like saying there's too much cheese on <laughs> yes, your table. These yeah. are words yes. that I don't understand, Jim. <laughs> yes, does not, does not compute. Something came over me there. I don't know what I was thinking. Yes, but uh, that's the plan. So I'm going to do some beans and I'll probably, because they all love it, even though I likely won't touch it but i'll probably cook some rice and then i'll do all the other traditional things i like roast potatoes mashed potato i like to do my mashed potato with swede or sometimes carrot and i'll do carrots parsnips and uh, sprouts as well i probably won't do huge mountains of vegetables but i will try and do a good spread of variety the variety is the key i think but a good lot of roast potatoes oh roast potatoes pigs in blankets, Yorkshire puddings, pints of gravy. You can just sit and eat that all day after your Christmas dinner and just keep picking little bits. I also like doing um, little cheese puff straws. So we do a cheese and bacon puff straws for the sort of pre- stuffing your face with turkey snack get some puff pastry cover it in uh, mustard so generally you get an english mustard layer that down grate a load of great cheese on it preferably cheddar or red leicester or something with some power punch get some streaky bacon lie that across the top so cut it into strips and twist throw it in the oven for 15 minutes 
gooey, cheesy, bacony goodness. We're going to do a couple of baking this year, so we're making a chocolate orange cake. Oh, nice. I've got a few tarts I want to experiment with over the Christmas period. So a bit of baking, actually, this year, more than savoury. I normally do pies for Boxing Day, turkey and ham pie or something like that. I have been already requested to make my infamous diet risotto with leftover turkey. Lovely. So basically a week of eating and then having to diet into the January. My boxing coach is already saying he's got special plans for New Year's fitness training. And given the little glint he had in his eyes, he was telling me I'm not going to enjoy it. But, you know, that week of Christmas, I just love to cook and eat and cook for my friends and cook for my family and watch telly and read books and go for walks and all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it. No, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a proper week off. As you say, a week of food and enjoyment. Just as a, a quick aside there, James, and I am, as you know, teetotal, and I have my drinks of choice for Christmas. What, what are your drinks of choice for Christmas? Christmas morning, I always like to have a Bucks face. And to be honest, I rarely do that with a really good champagne because you get such good Prosecco. And if you're going to be mixing it with fresh orange, it's fine. So I like to have, normally on Christmas morning, some Bucks face, Prosecco and fresh orange juice. And often we have fish in the morning smoked salmon and prawns and things just a little tradition christmas dinner i like to have just a couple of bottles of wine open so red and white i tend not to drink much on christmas day because i'm cooking until the food is all out but once that's all done i generally like red wine with a roast dinner and then a nice glass of port ideally a tawny port afterwards or maybe a brandy and then in the evening, I'd like to have a couple of whiskies or a couple of, uh, of whiskey cocktails and I'm feeling up to making them and veg out. That said, I think the Christmas pudding vodka will certainly make an appearance this year. <laughs> and I do have, and I haven't found it for a little while. Last year, I got some Christmas pudding ale. Okay. For the life of me, I don't recall the brewery, unfortunately. But I've been keeping an eye out in the shops. I think I got it at a farm shop near mine. If you can see anything like that... That makes a really nice, especially on Christmas Eve. I normally like to cook a curry or something on Christmas Eve or a chilli, something not too heavy that's easy to make and easy to clean up so I'm not messing my kitchen for the next day. A Christmas pudding ale and a good curry is one of my favourites. It's talking of food. is making me hungry there, James. I think given how cold and frosty it is, I'm probably going to go for a chilli tonight. It is a little cold and frosty in the UK. I'm waiting for the snow. So we have the fabulous Leah Morrigan, our lovely perfect lady, and she is going to talk about being cold outside as she's in Toronto. We shall find out more. Over to you, Leah. Hi, it's Leah Morrigan in Toronto as the perfect lady and it's December and winter has descended on us and some of us are more comfortable than others with cold weather uh, but I think ultimately nobody really likes being cold so I'm going to tell you today a few tips about keeping warm because I come from one of the coldest inhabited places on the face of the earth on the plains of Canada in Saskatchewan where things get so incredibly cold that it's unbelievable that people can still keep themselves alive. So I've lived through a lot and I've got some points for you to keep you nice and cozy if possible. So we lose a lot of our heat through our heads, specifically through our ears. It's a good idea to keep your ears covered not only to retain the heat coming from our heads, but also to keep your ears 
warm and protected because if you live in a place where there is frost uh, temperatures below freezing, your ears can very easily get frostbite because there's not a lot to an ear, so it's just mostly cartilage and skin. So keep your ears protected, so that's the first thing. Secondly, uh, a good hat will make you feel so much better than not wearing a hat because if it's windy, the wind goes right through your hair and that blows some of the heat away from you so your body is fighting to keep warm and using a lot of energy to do that. So there's your head. Keeping your neck warm is also very, very imperative. If you have a collar on your coat, you can secure your collar with the top button of your coat. Wrapping a scarf or two around your neck is also a really good idea and you can use this to cover your face if there's icy winds blowing and you want to protect your face. Next thing to protect, as far as I'm concerned, it's important to keep your kidneys warm. So that's sort of your lower back. What I do when I'm going outside is I take my base layer, which is usually a t-shirt or a long-sleeved shirt, and tuck it into, we're talking about gents, so you could tuck it into your pants, tuck it into your underwear, because once you have that sort of secure base, the wind isn't going to blow up your t-shirt and, and keep you cold, and you'll feel more secure that way. And then we've got your hands. Your hands, there's not much to your hands, like your ears, and so the, top, the tips of your fingers can very easily freeze, so wearing a good glove will help this, although sometimes if you wear fingered gloves, the tips of your fingertips will still feel cold. So a remedy for that is to wear mittens as opposed to gloves because uh, the, the heat uh, shared between your fingers can, can act as sort of like a little oven in your mittens. So that will keep your fingers a little warmer than fingered gloves. And the last thing is your feet. Your feet are very important because your feet are touching the ground. That's where the ice and snow is and where the cold temperatures sit. Where I live, it's important to have uh, a waterproof boot because even though the temperatures may be cold, there still may be water or slush on the ground. And if you've got a hole in your boot, oh, it's the worst feeling in the world. Make sure that you are wearing a boot large enough to house a couple of pairs of socks. This is important too. A thin sock, which could be wool or even cotton if you had to, and then a thicker wool sock over top. So you want to make sure that you have a boot that will allow for a couple of pairs of socks for that reason. Once you have all of these covered gents, you should be okay for a cozy winter depending on how cold it gets, but those tips should help you out. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Leah. That's really kind. Uh, wishing you a Merry Christmas, too, from here in London. Um, I'm glad that you've got the Toronto snow. I would quite like to see my garden all just carpeted in white. Yes, it's lovely. It is lovely. Oh, on that note, wishing you a white Christmas there, James, then. A Merry Christmas to you, sir. A very Merry Christmas, and I hope your cooking and baking is successful. If you check us out on social media, we might not post everything on the Perfect Gentleman site, but if you find me or James, I'm sure you can find our endeavours for the Christmas period on our social media sites. Wishing you all out there in Perfect Gentleman land who listen to us, we're wishing you all a very Merry Christmas. And if you are not... Uh, with family or friends this Christmas our thoughts are with you pick up the phone speak to someone go out make an effort try and meet someone I have been alone at Christmas once or twice and I know what it's like but do go out there and start speaking to people people are are generally very lovely at Christmas they are even if you feel like you don't want to and that you're 
I know what it's like when you feel very down and you feel like you don't want to be a burden on anyone. Put that nonsense away. Reach out because there are lots of people who would love to hear from you and love to talk to you. Christmas can be a really horrible, lonely time if you're all on your own. Exactly. I heartily concur. Well, thank you very much, James. Have a fantastic Christmas. Indeed. Take care, my friend. This podcast is brought to you by the Perfect Gentleman Group Limited and was edited by Andy Nichol at the Pistachio Palace.